yet well i mean i have and stan has but and nathan has but uh you know anyone who is either part of our church who hasn't had really in-depth conversations with them or just there's anyone out there who's just listening we get to get to hear from them learn about their lives and it's really great so if uh you'd like to support us please uh leave a rating or a review or both um, and share it and that helps us out with algorithms apparently from the research I've done. So kick back and enjoy. times on here and I thought you know what like we've had a few people come on here and tell their stories and their testimony and what God's doing in their life or has done and you're the only person who's been on multiple times anyway where we definitely don't know any of that about you but because you've been here twice we thought we should start with your wife and let her go first Perfectly and fine. so Halima who are you? For all the all, there's people at our church too who don't really know you. We see you Sunday, we say hello, but that isn't really knowing someone and knowing their story. Yeah, you're right. Uh, my name is Halima, and I was born and raised in Nigeria uh, many years ago, and I was uh, born into a Christian family. I credit my parents with being um, the best Christian example I had. They were just so godly and uh, the example was just there. You could just see what it was, what it should be or what it means to be a Christ-like person. So I had this great advantage of um, family upbringing as a Christian and uh, in an African setting as well. So at about the time when I was, I think, 16, 17, after growing up in church, with, we called it the girls' brigade then, that's a children's 
club and so on i just thought okay i need to have an assurance of salvation i thought i wasn't really strong in that and that sort of brought my attention to uh what am i doing what do i believe i had those questions but they were they were in a perfectly um uh faith contained base i wasn't doubting god or anything but i had this deeper reflections and came to the real you know um believe that yes i believe in god this is what i want to do with my life and so i got baptized at about that time we had a baptismal class and lots of young people who were baptized in a river in the village actually it was my uncle um, the late reverend sule magaji he was our district superintendent at that point and uh, he baptized me in the river and I know when I, I popped my eyes out and he said, he spoke in one of our languages and said, why are you afraid or something? Anyway, so that has been a very good journey of my life. Then I went on to um, school. I went to train um, to be a teacher. And so when I got back to high school teaching, Joan Walsh was teaching the Christian girls. I didn't train to teach the Bible, but then John Walsh had to leave. And the children kept coming to me to say, please come and teach us the Bible. There's nobody here to teach us Bible anymore. And other faiths are getting their own teaching, training. So I thought, well, yeah, I guess they're right. Because I was already their, um, their group, the Christian children's sponsor or leader among the staff members so i started teaching bible without the training and then i went to another school after that and the high school children also kept after me saying why don't you teach us bible because i was helping them with their uh, spiritual lives mm -hmm. actually that part of the story <laughs> became interesting because I lived one year in that village and the experience led to a church that has grown into a whole district at this point in time. So anyway, when I was in that school, teaching Bible again and not being trained professionally, except that, you know, I read my Bible, I go to church and all that. I just, I had this idea that, okay, if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, then... I need to get the training for it. So I thought I would go to a Bible college, which is our own um, UMCA theological college in Elorin, which was far away from my, um, my hometown. That decision was not very welcome by many because a lot of people were hoping that I was going to be a lawyer including my sister, and well, she wouldn't hear this, but two of her daughters are lawyers now, so I'm off the hook with that. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, I got I, a lot of questions, Halima. How big of a town did you live in? Was it a smaller village, small, larger? Well, it would be medium. For Canadians? How many thousand people? Maybe 20, 30. Oh, 
Okay. It's like okay. a store. But, like a, but we would say it's small in Nigeria. Okay. It's not like a city of millions. Okay. Yeah. And, and how many how many siblings? Uh, growing up, like so far, I've lost three siblings. So there's four of us left. So seven total when you're yeah. very young. So I'd keep your mom busy. Oh, yeah. Very and busy. and your dad sanctified. Yes. Watching. So how does it break up daughters, sons, how, how brothers and sisters? How does it line up? Uh, right now I have one brother and two sisters. And two sisters. Okay. Yeah. And then I think my friend Gabriel, who you guys know yeah. from Nigeria too, I'm pretty sure he told me that you also were come from the Hausa yes. region. Yes. So what does that mean for everyone? Because right now, listening to your story, and I'm thinking you grew up, just from what you've said today, in a Christian area of Nigeria. But from what he's told me, this is not the northern part or something is not a very Christian area. But you'll know better than me. Um, yes, the majority is not the Christian area. So you would say the region is not, but there are a lot of Christians within the non-Christian region. If you look at Nigeria, the Northwest, mm -hmm. that's where I come from. And uh, so there are large pockets of land and area there that a lot of missionary work had been done mm -hmm. and then a lot of people people groups in those areas are christian so with hausa um hausa is like the general you know like the lingua franca in the north mm -hmm. so there are people who are hausa hausa they speak real hausa we have our own languages. We speak Hausa, but we speak Hausa with an accent, you know, so they would know that this person speaking Hausa, they know what we're speaking, we know what, but we don't have the Hausa, Hausa accent. So we have this level now. We are Northerners, but we are Christian. Mm -hmm. We speak Hausa, but we have our own language. Mm -hmm. So that for me, Hausa is my second language. Because I have my, my, my parents' language and then the general language, and then we spoke English at school. I have a hard time teaching kids French. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, when I was growing up, we had missionaries, uh, Harold and Alma Hyde in Nigeria. And so Nigeria was a, a spoken a lot about in our church. I remember we had this little banks of Africa, little white banks. And you'd save our money, and that would go to Harold and Alma Hyde. It didn't seem like a dangerous place back then. At least they didn't say that to our, like, to the church or the kids. Nigeria sounds dangerous today. What was it like growing up for you, Halima? Growing up, it was not dangerous at all. People actually preferred to travel at night. Hmm. Because they would leave, if they're going across the country, they would go in the evening and travel all night and get home early morning, middle of the night. Nobody just, you know, people were not afraid. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually things started changing. We had uh, maybe 10, 20 years back, we just had this. I would say almost normal level of armed robbery, 
so you may be going somewhere and uh, you could get stopped but at this point in Nigeria it is just it's something that nobody had ever seen because you could just be in your house and you would have um, maybe 300 motorcycles with like carrying three men on each one and all of them armed with AK-47s or whatever the highest level of um, weapons are and so they'll come to your house or your village and they take what they want from your house and if they want they kill you and they go scot-free so, what was what was the tipping point, Halima, that that changed? Like, it doesn't sound like it was real gradual, but maybe it was gradual, or was it was there was it political, as economical? Like, what is it spiritual? Where do you think that switch came in? I think I think it's a mix of all those. And I wouldn't even be able to know exactly when that switch happened. But I know that some years back, there was um, a lot of violence and kidnapping going on, on around the um, northeast. Mm -hmm. So there's northeast, the Boko Haram and all that stuff. And there's northwest where I come from. Mm -hmm. So things just started. Those, the tactics of kidnapping, I think, were more, mainly from Boko Haram, that northwestern, northeastern end, but eventually it switched to northwest, and now it's all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that the word Boko Haram, but I really don't understand or know what's. I know they they kidnap girls. And I don't know, like, do they hold them for ransom? Are they slaves? Are they just killed? What, what is that all about? In, in a short, I mean, without a huge yeah. background. Yeah, well, it's all that mixed together because nobody really, under, like, I don't even understand it myself. Okay. Yeah, they kidnap, they kill, they take people for ransom, and or slaves it's all mixed i know the one thing that like didn't doesn't seem to reach us is i remember reading some articles about the amount of boys they've killed okay. and we okay, you know i didn't never knew about that like i heard other parts about them but there's a quite a death toll these guys yeah. are leaving so you then went to study yes okay i thought okay i'll go to a bible college get trained so that I can become the Bible teacher wherever I'm teaching in high school. So I went to um, our Bible college. And then one year later, he came to the same Bible college as a missionary. Who is he? Claire. <laughs> so, so who noticed whom first? He stands out probably more <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, actually... Uh, maybe him because for me I just saw him as a new missionary and I had I had known his sister we all called her Aunt Lois because she did a lot of work with young people mm -hmm. and so I thought okay that's Aunt Lois's younger brother mm -hmm. 
So for me, that was all. He was also teaching mm-hmm. classes that I was attending. But for him, mm-hmm. it was a different story. So mm-hmm. maybe he would like to tell it himself. So how did okay. you end up there, Claire? <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to tell this story. I told you. But <laughs> well, I first saw Halima when she came to visit uh, my sister, I guess, and Ward Shantz and uh, Winnie Shantz, who were teaching English as a second language for a, a summer. And Halima came in with a Wycliffe Bible translator surveyor. And uh, so I noted this, this lady who, the, the Wycliffe surveyor said that Halima was an ideal companion. She was easy to work with, could translate languages easily that she needed, and understood the project of surveying I, I, perfectly. So I, I went back and I was writing down everybody's name. I was new. I was about six weeks in the country this time. Mm-hmm. I was writing down everybody's name to try to, and I wrote down her name wrong, but uh, I noted her as being an intelligent young woman okay. and then uh, discovered she was in my classes. So I had my eye on her, but um, maybe it's dangerous to say this, but I was hoping that a, a lady in evangel might be somebody I could marry at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And when I returned to Canada for my first home assignment, it turned out that wasn't going to work. So, mm-hmm. long story short. <laughs> so, how did you end up in Nigeria? And like, what's your story? You oh. know? Okay. Well, uh, I grew up wanting to be a scientist, and I studied science at the University of Toronto, and I failed some of the key subjects. It kind of put a damper on my ambition. Uh, well, I had a bit of work in geophysics, surveying in northern Ontario, but uh, I was unemployed for a while, got persuaded to go to Bible college, and it was my second year of Bible college that I uh, was working on a farm, doing disking, praying, what am I going to do with this school work that I'm doing, where is it going? And I decided I would offer at the end to be uh, licensed as a preacher. and. How old would you have been about then? Uh, 24? Mm-hmm. 24, yeah, not bad. Yeah, just about exactly 24. So, but I finished when I was uh, 28, 7, 28. So I did, I was assigned to try to start church in Northern Ontario in Sudbury. And uh, went back to school again, did another bit of work as a pastor. And then I was unemployed again and asked my superintendent at the time, what should I do? I don't want to be a pastor just now so or anymore. Is there a church that I could go and just help out? And he, after a couple of months, I, was, I didn't go anywhere from where I was until he told me, well, evangelist without a pastor, maybe you could go and just be part of the congregation there. I had been a member of Evangel before, but I thought that's just people I know. So I went, came back to Kitchener. They let me live in the parsonage for a while. Uh, I got a job, and but during that period, the, the job, the day I got that job, it was a laboring job, and by this time I had uh, two degrees, BTH and BSc. Uh, they didn't ask me about my education. They just wanted to know if I was strong enough to push and pull things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, okay, but this is not a job I want for the rest of my life. 
I prayed that day that I would get a job teaching at Emmanuel Bible College, in fact. And it was that day or the next day that the superintendent called me up and said, uh, there's a request for a teacher to be in a Bible college in Nigeria. Would you be interested? Would you pray about it? So I said, yes, I'll pray about it. But to myself, I said, yes, <laughs> you know, I would do it. <laughs> so that's how I got there. I took about six months of preparation and a bit of training and orientation, whatnot, whatnot. But I ended up there in 1989. Uh, and how long did that decision keep you there? Well, it was an assignment that lasted 21 years. Okay. Well, I was supposed to be, I went there as a short-term teacher. Uh -huh. They were only sending people to Nigeria for short term. My sister did the same thing. She was there to replace a lady one year. And that lady never returned, and she stayed 30 years. Okay. And she often pointed out, she taught theology, taught pastors, and they never asked her to fill in a doctrinal statement because she was just a one-year replacement teacher. Mm -hmm. And she always mentioned that. Still, even after 30 years, it never occurred to anybody to take her up on that. Okay. <laughs> but I was there just two years, and... Actually, it turned into two and a half years, and then they went back. Nobody questioned me, you know, do you want to go back? I, I liked it. So mm -hmm. The church, I had to get the approval of the church in Nigeria. They, they, you know, if they didn't like me, they could send me home. Mm -hmm. That's the way it was working in those days, so no one questioned that. And so at what point did you start working with Olu? Because he's a friend of ours as well, and so how did that all come about? By the time I got to Nigeria, Olu Peters was the chaplain, officially, of the huge college chapel. Like, there were, like, between two and 3,000 members in this oh, wow. chapel by this time. The college students had started it just by visiting and whatnot in the city. It's a big city, and there's a lot of English-oriented civil servants from who are Christians from elsewhere had gotten picked up, and other people got converted. But by this time, it'd be, oh, it's a... 40 years old church maybe by this time. But Olu was pastor, but officially he was the chaplain. He was a staff of the college. He'd gone there to teach, but then his turn came up and they appointed him to be pastor, mm -hmm. and he turned out to be an excellent pastor. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you knew Olu as well? Yeah. So you both, that's kind of a common person in your lives. Yeah. So you're done school, you're... Or, or you, you're still in school, you show up on the scene, yeah. and what happened next? Like, what? how did that unfold? Yeah, well, that was interesting because I happen to have a... I'm just intrigued by missions. Mm -hmm. And the chapel had lots of uh, missions programs. People would go out to somewhere and they would... Um, talk to people about Jesus and help people understand and receive Jesus. So My sister and Olu Peters had sort of sparked that largely about three years before I got there. Okay. Yeah, so um, they had a lot of outings or outreach mm -hmm. and I was always on that. So when he came along, I think he was also interested in that. So Claire and I were always in this group going out to somewhere to preach and then then we were in the classrooms again mm -hmm. and then in the church but to me he was just one of the people around mm -hmm. you know Christian people 
this this group that just had this cohesive understanding and self like belonging you know yeah. um it was just a naturally christian mm-hmm. based I, I had no yeah. thoughts or ideas or anything about getting married so if i've got this right he's just one of the guys that you're out doing ministry and he's one of the guys that are out there with the group doing ministry you've started that you've got this inkling that maybe you're kind of interested the other thing back home didn't go anywhere and so how did you go from interested her not interested to getting her interested Where did I start? Um, Halima was uh, a leader in the in the college. She was even mm-hmm. elected vice president of the student body. You know, mm-hmm. there were about what two or three hundred students by the time point. Oh. More than that, and highly thought of by the staff. They they re- they turned to Halima for discipline questions. What how to deal with things, especially in the girls' dorm and so on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember those things and. Uh, so that was one thing. The other was in the in the classroom. She was a smart lady. Uh, she understood my exam questions, which was okay. something many of the students had no clue what this Canadian guy was trying to ask them, and they would stab make stabs at what I was trying to after. She knew what I was getting after, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I was very impressed by that. She was one of the only the only woman in the BA class. Yeah, so the first BA class that our our college had. They had BTH before that, but this is the first BA, and she was the only one in it. And she just st- stood out as being somebody who was knew how to conduct herself. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that impressed me, I guess. Uh, You're from a family of influence too. Your dad was in politics and in leadership, and you would be observing him. And I, just from what you've said about your parents, it probably education and it was an important factor in life yes yeah so that i mean who you became is really not a mystery from where you're coming from yeah so you know you're in another country now claire yeah do you have to go about starting to date someone differently than you would have if you were back in canada uh absolutely um, she was a student, and I don't believe in oh, teachers no. dating, uh, getting romantically involved with, with students. I had seen that happen in Canada, and it didn't, never turned out well. And it was part of my professional mm-hmm. commitment not to get involved. So it was... Uh, uh, and to be honest, there, she, I, I'd heard that she was engaged at the end of when she graduated, and I was back in Canada that mm-hmm. graduation year. So I thought, okay, that's the end of this. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but in Nigeria, dating probably is catching on in the big cities these days, but uh, not in our church area or church society. Mm-hmm. So when she was free, so to speak, I thought I'd write her a letter. And I wrote a letter or two, and I wrote, ripped them up. So mm-hmm. I went to my sister, Lois, who had <laughs> 10 more years, 15 more years experience in Nigeria, and said, what should I do? I hear this lady is free, I'm interested, and so on, blah, blah, blah. And Lois suggested I write her letter proposing that Halima 
pray about becoming a Christian. Uh, my my wife. I had no dating at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was back in her hometown and teaching at that point. So, mm-hmm. and the postal system was working. So. Now, would your father expect it to be part of this discussion, or how, like how does oh, that yes. work? Oh, he comes into it. He comes oh, in oh, later, he comes in. Oh, okay. not at the beginning. Okay. So, at the beginning, we'll have to sort this out. Like, we, him and I decide if this is what we really want, what we want to do, and then. So, what we do back then, it's more like a courtship. Mm-hmm. Because. You don't just go saying um, we're friends. You know, you, you have to show that it's more than just, just you're just friends today, and then that's not going anywhere. Right. So you start with a plan, although it could stop or it could okay. continue, and then the, the families come in later. Okay. Yeah. But you've known him by this point how long? About three years. Okay, and observed him, and he you've watched him teach, you've watched him be a part of this outreach, so... Yeah, we were on to about ten different outreaches, I counted, wow. together. Or yeah. with, uh, mm-hmm. And were you otherwise done with... Because you said you are back in uh, Canada, so... I got was, sent back. Was the plan still to go back to Nigeria, or did she bring you back? No, uh, I was called back. Keep on teaching, but he's on home home assignment. So for you, those of you listening that aren't aren't familiar with missionary, how missionaries lingo. work, and yeah, lingo. We did this uh, with uh, the chapels as well. So you usually go out for a four year stint, three years in the okay. Nigeria is a hard climate, so they they reduce it to three. And then you usually come back for home assignment for a year. You report to your uh, sponsoring churches. You raise support if yeah. it's still needed and and just really kind of recruit recoup and get ready for the next uh, session that you would be going over for yeah I didn't have any debriefing saying do you want to go back or does the church want you back or anything mm-hmm. like that it just kept on kept yeah. me on uh, which is kind of mm-hmm. loose administratively maybe we'll finish we'll finish we'll, we'll go down <laughs> this rabbit trail at some point and then maybe another I'd, I'd love to have you back again claire but your experience of missionary care and how the missions agency cares for their missionaries what kind of supports are in place or not in place and maybe how maybe through some insight how would we how could we do better as churches at supporting them but we'll we'll yeah, do we that another that that's another rabbit trail we'll go down we want to stay on this one. This is this is interesting. I've known you for many years now, and I've gotten a little bit. I got a little bit of the story when we were painting the ceiling in the basement at Evangel. I remember that. Yeah, that was an amazing day. I was I was mesmerized. It was I I love I love. He asked me what books was I reading. What an opening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He, but, knows, he knows how to get you. <laughs> I, I love romance and how people come together and God works behind. I just love that. So you're, you're, this is just filling my soul today. So go on, brother, and, and give us the next step. And I've become more and more interested in intercultural relationships <laughs> yes, that in that direction. So uh, 
I want to just be taking some notes here to see what works and what doesn't. Well, actually, I did, in my mind, have a date with Halima, but she didn't know it. I'm coming home from one outreach. We had It was on a Sunday. and I knew that there was a Sunday market in one town, the Dubinboka. And I knew there's a Sunday market there, and I know that, knew that she likes marking, going to market. So I thought, I'm going to stop. I had a Volkswagen Beetle or something. I had full of people or whatever. I was driving that day. And we were four or five people in the in the in the Volkswagen, and I said, "Okay, we're going to stop at the market." But really, it was for her, because <laughs> I wanted to please Halima, at that mm -hmm. because and she, I know she loves going to market. So, mm -hmm. in we went. This first time I had masara made with uh, corn, and you introduced it to me and all that. Masa, masa, it's yeah. called masa. Yep. So did he gain some points? He did. Yeah, okay. Yes. okay. But she didn't know it. This was this was my gift to her. But that that was my first date. But it was a kind of a screwy one, I guess. Anyway, so when we were when she was free, I was back in Nigeria. I, I consulted with some fellow missionaries, and who were helping me to sort my head out about Halima. Uh, and then my sister helped me to theme of a letter, mm -hmm. and then she agreed. It was the longest six weeks of my life. The, the 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 return letter to come back. Yeah. She had prayed. Yeah. But she said I have to wait. She had to inform her father. And how did that go? Well, um, it went okay in the end, but my father was um, upset because mm -hmm. his main reason was that no, this is too far away. Mm-hmm. She's not going to go that far away. Yeah. And so I told my sister, and my sister told my brother, my brother was alive then, so my brother was able to talk with my father and help him understand. And <laughs> he said something that Claire does not like to hear. My brother said, let her go. If she's not happy, she's a graduate, she'll find her way back. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and my mom was also very good. My mom said, "He's a Christian, so what's your problem?" <laughs> <laughs> He's a Christian man. Yeah. He's a good man, a missionary. Mm -hmm. And what's what's your problem? What mm -hmm. do you have against that? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a huge problem mm -hmm. after that. Now, was it scary for you the thought of of maybe some day, or at least for some periods of time, living so far away, in, and in a very different culture? I would say a, a very secular culture, a very sick culture in some ways. Yeah, um, actually, I think I was not aware of the depth of the cultural. Um, differences mm -hmm. so maybe I was a bit naive but about him I was not afraid at all I was very peaceful about mm -hmm. um, exploring the idea of marriage with him mm -hmm. and I know other people have asked me aren't you afraid oh no a white man aren't you afraid and I just no you couldn't have found a gentler soul a blessing and what a blessing he is wow but you didn't go 
like you said, you were here for stayed for twenty one years, I think in That's Nigeria. The whole, That's the whole assignment. Of, yeah, yeah. You know, in the, Nigeria, three years, one year here, and going yeah. back to Nigeria, and then finally resigning. Yeah, yeah. But your was your family thinking that you would get married and just go to Canada right away and not come back, kind of thing? No. <laughs> he says yes. She says no. No. Well, they've seen missionaries come and go. Yeah. yeah. So and I wasn't thinking, you know, I thought, okay, we're youngish and this is, you know, we'll be here for a long time. We'll go and come back. Mm -hmm. I didn't even expect we'll come back when we did. I thought we'd be coming back when we were old and retired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wasn't foreseeing leaving Nigeria like right away. Yeah. So how long from courtship to marriage? Like what how did what did that journey okay, it's official, we're courting, we're we've got dad's blessing tentatively. He it, her father said it had to be the marriage had to be within seven or eight months, which would take it to Christmas time wow. that year. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. his and and there was another requirement that was a that was that was the one that I met with. Yeah. So that was that we will have the wedding there in, 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 in your in town. My, in my yeah. hometown. That was the other yeah. requirement. Okay, I can understand that as a dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah. And so, well, what did now? Did you go on dates at that point, or kind of what did what did that that six seven months look like for you guys? You're probably getting things ready, trying to get a find a home or. Or get things together or like kind of just paint us a bit of a picture of what that was like yeah well he already had a, a house a place at the Bible College okay and so we had visits like he would come to my hometown for maybe the weekend or for mm -hmm. some days when he had um when he was not teaching when mm -hmm. the, maybe the summer Mm -hmm. And there were some missionaries at the Bible College in my hometown, so he would stay with them and then would get to see each other maybe two, three days. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I would go to the college where he's teaching and I would stay at the, um, the girls' dorm and then we'd spend mm -hmm. time together mm -hmm. planning, you know, the wedding right. and making all the discussions. Mm -hmm. And then, so at that point, we were able to plan to do a lot of the traditional mm -hmm. gifts and uh, things that were required. It's a bit different. In Nigeria, the man is responsible for the um, the reception. Yeah. And, um, and then there are gifts that we present. Um, well, she told me what to buy. I, I yeah. paid for it, and oh, so okay. she bought she okay. bought everything for herself. So, so it was big, he, but it was... He was, <laughs> he was able to fulfill the requirements and mm -hmm. I was also able to do mine and you know weddings in Africa are not just it's not about the man and the woman it's the whole family yeah. and that's the all the extended family and the whole community the village everybody invited or not everybody is a part of it mm -hmm. before that so, I did have an official engagement I had to go with a friend to mm -hmm. her family house and they invited near relatives to come and sit down in the in the in the room, mm -hmm. and a senior person from my family. Now I didn't have any family at, the, at that point, so uh, an older missionary who knew some Hausa uh, spoke for me, uh -huh. 
Right. We were told not to speak unless we were spoken to in okay. that meeting. Okay. I just say yes or no mm -hmm. if we were asked mm -hmm. something. So we were there. Yes. So that that is where you do the um, official asking for permission. Right. So the elder person from his family will be asking the elder people from my family that their son would like to um, marry uh, their daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes they have different ways of saying that, and right. then, so then my family will say, okay, they agree, and so they just set that up, and that's mm -hmm. like the official. Um, kind of like the marriage contract, kind of yeah. hammered out right there. And, it was very simple compared yeah. to some part areas in Nigeria. Oh, yeah. It was a lot cheaper, too. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> compared to some areas, the men work for 10 years to pay for the, what's required. When did you start noticing the cultural differences really coming into play, like in the relationship? Hmm. Early on or later? With children. <laughs> Definitely. Mm -hmm. And what are those kind of things? What might someone be looking forward to? <laughs> well, for me, I don't think I really had any cultural um, uh, shock or constraints with him. Mm -hmm. I think it was mostly coming back to settle in Canada. That is when I actually came, as you see, I had contact with cultural issues because mm -hmm. back in Nigeria, it was just fine. I didn't feel any cultural constraints mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. shocks mm -hmm. and coming as visitors too i don't think i really understood the racial issues or anything like that and you know we were just here for some time and then we'd go back right i think it, it was maybe dan and Marie that mentioned something about like three months or something everything seems great and then after that all of a sudden it's the issues and things sort of dawn on you and in a new culture or either or going back into your old culture they say it works both directions there's that adjustment period of getting used to it mm -hmm. what does a date look i mean for Lori and i started dating she was 15 i was 16 we could go to church and mcdonald's that was our dating kind of the the area what's what do dates look like in nigeria what did you guys do for dates? Yeah, just like we've been saying, it's mostly doing things with other people. Mm -hmm. um, except for when we were working on the marriage, then we would maybe have a meal together and mm -hmm. be working on the plans. We had a short timeline, so we, yeah. we were into marriage planning. So families June. are a part of a lot of that dating. They're kind of, you're doing family things together, church things together. Yes, and we're with other people. Mm -hmm. It's not just you two. Yeah. yeah. So what sure. dating's like here would be more like what married life was like there? From what I read about, uh, people expect to sleep together the first night, uh, the, oh, the yeah. night of the first date. Right. Uh, it seems to be commonly... I was, uh, but nothing like that. I was, I guess I'd say like Christian dating here 
And I mean, I guess there's a whole bunch of different interpretations of what that is. But yeah, I wasn't sure where you were going with that either. Just, you lost me too. But just okay. things like going out for dinner alone, going to a movie alone, going, I don't know, to a concert just places. I didn't know any restaurants in Nigeria. Okay. So yeah. right. there, there are roadside places you can eat. Could you do that though? Well, that's yeah, before yeah. you're married? Yeah. Could I think people could do that, and people there are people there who do that. We um, one of my one of my exercises I give a couple uh, premarital is to, and to do it alone, and then I want to hear them come back together to describe what you think after the honeymoon's done and you're back to work and life is back yeah. in the group. What do you think your day is going to look like? And I have the guy kind of do a week, do kind of like a full week. What you think? And I'll ask her to do the same thing. It's amazing how different that looks to each one. You're a missionary, missionary's wife now, kind of in your home country. What does your what does your week kind of look like when when you're married and everything's all that's done and behind you? By the rules of the mission, we could get married. It was newly changed because it used to be the old rigid rule on all missions was a missionary does not marry someone in the country they're assigned National. to. Yeah. But they had just changed that about a year or two before. Okay. So, but for me to remain in the mission, she had to qualify or we were both in or both out. So, okay. we, I was going to pay for us to come to Canada for her to get acquainted with Canada a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then the mission, after we got married though, but then the mission said, nope, we'll bring her. And I didn't know exactly why, but it turned out the reason was they wanted to interview her. Mm. And we had to go down to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, they... How did that feel? Was that kind of a scary thing, or did that just... You you had it, and you yeah, knew... it was fine. Okay. They said that she was the smartest lady, and I should listen to her and do whatever she says. So, <laughs> so it was fine, she says. <laughs> I knew. I, spent, I knew that would be true. I but... spent a whole day with this psychologist. I still have a whole file of all the testings and reports. So when it was all done from morning to two or three, he asked, Claire asked the guy, the psychologist, uh, because we were just newly married then. We yeah. were married in January and this was, this was November, October, October, same October. year anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he said, um, now that we are newly married, Claire said to the psychologist, what advice do you have for us? And the man said, if I were you, I would listen to her. <laughs> 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 yeah. I've religiously followed that ever since. Right? Not all the time. <laughs> so how how long before Thomas was born and and the kid? Tell us a little bit about the kids and and I I don't they seem fairly close together in age, but just just a little bit of family background there. Yeah, about um, Thomas was born. Well, two years into mm -hmm. our marriage, and the next child was another two years later. And then it's the girl that we had about five years mm -hmm. in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where are they at now? Are they all home? Or are they? I, I know these things, but I mean, are people yes. that are listening don't know? Do you have. Yes. Yeah, right now they're home. Um, the one is working at a school. The other one is working 
also for now and also doing some university um, studies and the last one just completed high school mm -hmm. this year and she's also working at this point oh, wow. yeah mm -hmm. so in the morning we're all up and then everybody goes their separate ways and then by evening we all come back um so when after we got married one thing we have done that has remained that i really value and i uh, advise or present that to people as something that is worthwhile in a marriage is that we prayed together every day mm. almost every day we started out in the morning but then the morning just wouldn't work yeah because even from the beginning he was going off to teach i did a bit of teaching too at the college yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so if we were both striving to get to our classes there mm -hmm. was just it just didn't work out to pray in the morning so we started praying at night mm -hmm. and um so eventually with the children we would also pray together at night mm -hmm. but then him and i would say the lord's prayer every evening we say that this that's the last thing before we go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So the other day we were saying, how many times have we said the Lord's Prayer now? Mm -hmm. So every day, almost in twenty-seven years. Oh wow, wow. And and I pick up like just in conversation. It sounds like you have like a family devotional time around the table, and and time is that where your prayer time takes place, kind of around the table yeah, at the table yeah. in our yeah. front room. Yeah, so that that has become a crucial part of our family because we sometimes we spend more than an hour. We may read a scripture and then I guess there are theologians and others in the group. And One of our so, sons is a lot like your son, your oldest son. Yeah. So and, they discuss, you know, the Bible and other mm -hmm. things and mm -hmm. it's to me, it's just so vital yes. for spiritual and other mm -hmm. aspects of life. And, uh, I love it, but it's exhausting. Yes. The thinking and keeping, you know, like just being, keeping an edge to your learning. And, and I find children press you to continue to learn and continue to engage so then as you're starting to wind down and look towards um retirement and um uh, you're kicking it up <laughs> and 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 putting you went into like education took a, a another leap forward so tell us how that journey came about oh boy that is quite a journey because i remember when i had the first baby and i was doing a master's program in nigeria and i said i will never go back to school after <laughs> and now i've been seven years in school yeah. so far so when i came and we started working stan you remember with newcomers and mm -hmm. refugees and i just saw this level of trauma that i had never seen before mm -hmm. i would be with talking to a woman and she would tell me she wants to die and i just i i didn't have the tools to handle that mm -hmm. i just did not know what to do with that because where i come from nobody wants to die and yeah. 
people would run, you know, from death. So I thought, if I'm going to do this work, I, I need some training to know what to do. And that's how I got into the um, spiritual care and psychotherapy training mm-hmm. at Laurier. And that's where I'm still at. Although at this point, I have a, a counseling license and uh, I'm able mm-hmm. to use that to help people. Mm-hmm. Working towards your PhD or you've yes. done the in-class stuff? Oh, yes. yes. I've done the in-class stuff long time ago. Mm-hmm. Coursework done, um, a comprehensive paper done and defended, and now working on the, um, the thesis proposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So another year, two? Yeah, with the PhD work, you never know. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. have thought that by this point I would be done. <laughs> yes. Now, are you having to write a book for it, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that scared me off doing one. <laughs> Different uh, field, but once I saw what the other, what the PhD students were doing, I thought, yeah, not for now, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was I was doing uh, my work, uh, Lori was was home with the kids, and she was helping me. She would type, and she would uh, she would uh, I would finish writing a paper, and she would make sure the formatting because that that's I'm not a meticulous person. I the formatting end of it drove me nuts. And so she would do that. So do you do, do you do papers? <laughs> do you help? No. N- no formatting or editing? I don't think I help you at all. It's no. Not, you know, no. Well, it sounds like you guys have had quite a journey. And uh, we are just blessed to have you here and part of this community. Uh, anything else we should know about you before we close down? Yes. So you should know this about me. Favorite, favorite. I like like books. You like books. I like to collect rocks and minerals and fossils. Okay. What's your favorite book? The Narnia Chronicles, maybe. Okay. Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. I'll just out of the head. Yeah. What does Halima do for relaxation and refreshment and just sheer joy? Music. Music. Wow. And if people wanted to show up on Sunday with a warm drink for you from Starbucks or Tim Hortons, what should they bring you? <laughs> Let's see if it happens. <laughs> this time, I would say decaf coffee. <laughs> okay. We've got that here, I think. We've got that here. <laughs> and Claire, what, what would they bring you? Uh, Earl Grey tea. I have a number of people in my life that are in that, into that. Favorite food? Food? Yes, favorite food. Uh, uh, what would I call it? I would say tuo, but you wouldn't know what that is. No. It's a Nigerian dish. Okay. What's in it? It's, um, uh, it's like a cereal. Okay. You make it like a thick cereal, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have a sauce. Okay. Your favorite food? Well, I've I've had to add something from Nigeria, but pounded yam and a goosey soup. I guess is how I would put it. 
Okay. I've been Nigerianized that much. <laughs> but I would have said it's very similar in some ways, uh, stew and dumplings. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a grandmother thing that grandmothers make that uh, gets your attention. Favorite book for you? Hmm. I would say the Bible. Okay. <laughs> that's a good, that's a safe answer. Favorite music? Uh, the Symphonies of Sibelius. Okay. I'll have to look that up. Finnish? <laughs> Finnish yeah. guy, yeah. Yeah, Jan Sibelius. Yeah. And you, Halima? You said music was important to you. What's your favorite? Yeah. African gospel. Okay. Awesome. And country gospel. Okay. Like country from like the States? Country gospel. She grew Just up listening to Jim Reeves and people like oh, that. Okay. Regular country gospel yeah. okay. songs. Well, you, you get Ivan and Donna on your bandwagon. They they love gospel music, too. All right. Well, I think that's it. Carrie, anything else that you want to ask before we close it down? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, just with the, the marriage stuff, I've known quite a few people who've done intercultural marriages, and they haven't worked out. And you guys have been 21 years. 27. 20, or 27 years we've gained six years during the process of this or else i must <laughs> or else i'm not remembering things right um but what advice i guess do you have for people to make it work because i'm assuming it's hard based on just yeah. the people i've known yes the mission asked me do you know what you're doing and in in eloran there was a large group at one point of couples that had married when the Maybe the man or the what woman went to study overseas, got married, came back, and most of those marriages didn't make it well at all. So yeah, it was a caution, and I, I several times thinking about this lady Halima, I thought that way leads to death if I think of marrying this lady. Mm. Um, so it took a lot of, you know, I, I, I know that sounds awful. Okay, I just I'm trying to get but the I context. That is leads trouble. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's, there is an unknown and some risk. Yeah, big risk. There, okay. I, I saw these happening, you know, too. Mm. Mm. But um, I just uh, thought everything about this lady was, you know, she was spiritually committed. She was smart. I guess she looked fine, too. It seems she grounded things around Jesus. Oh, Home, she did, yes. Family, everything. I mean, that, that, that dinner table at night with devotions and prayer that seemed that to me sticks out as one of those major things probably personalities too um you get two type a very driven firstborns or only children and and that would but you you, you both seem fairly easygoing fairly fluid for your theory i'm third in my family and she, you are fourth or fifth or something yeah, so middle children are more negotiators, and they tend to want everybody to get along, and, and that's a tendency. So yeah. that seems like a good thing as well, that, that you kind of know, are you compatible that way? But then in some ways, love is a choice, too. It's choosing to love and choosing to put the other person first. Uh, Nathan is doing a, they're doing, in his small group, they're doing a Bible study that basically says marriage is not there to make you happy. Marriage is there to make you holy. 
it's God's grinding stone of holiness in your life. And uh, that seems like a good thing. I'm, I'm going to read that. That seems, sounds like a good theory. But it seems that, so you're asking as a guy who's looking at a possibility of entering a, another culture of, in marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that seems like that's, that's, that's a smart question to ask. Yeah, I just when you're talking with Nathan's group there, and I'm also just thinking of a book I was reading, and they were saying that the it's the Tim Keller Meaning of Marriage book. And they were saying that it might be, a, I, let's say between six months and three years, somewhere in there is uh, a period of time that people face difficulties in marriage. And if you stick it out through that time, it's sort of like there's this tension and whatever for that long. But the people who push through the at most, we'll say three years, Mm -hmm. they they, it works. Then there's another problem at 20 years. Yeah, Yeah. they only mentioned this sort of number. I can't remember how long. We didn't make it to the end of the second week. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. What I was going to say is. You see, marriage, like, we have a lot of misconceptions in marriage. Because a lot of people think, oh, when I get married, when I get married, when I get married, and they have all these expectations from the other person and not thinking of themselves. So, like, both people have to come into a marriage with an understanding of life, and the focus, it's not just, I'm not coming into this to make me happy. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, we have to come from this um, level playing field together. And generally, it's it, it, it may not work for everybody, even if they're from the same culture. Mm-hmm. It's just an extra, a little extra mm-hmm. cultural element that's in there. And I'm thinking that it's coming because the one person has a level of cultural like for your girl and for me we're coming from a very rich spiritual and cultural background and then you may move into a western society that has maybe a little sorry to say there's a lot of poverty of cultural and spiritual um, strength yes. so that may affect the person but I think the two people can always weather things out mm-hmm. if like Stan said um, you make God a center of mm-hmm. the home so that a lot of the selfish elements you know are played down and people do things together they pray mm-hmm. together they, uh, they talk mm-hmm. so that if The one person does something that's fine in their culture, but it's offensive to the other person's culture. Instead of, you know, Mm -hmm. just piling that up, that can be discussed. Mm -hmm. And you could even discuss cultures. We do this this way in my culture, and we do it this way in your culture, and we are forming. You know, again, it's not that this culture is bad and this culture is good. Because we're bringing the two cultures together. There's good things in this culture and bad, and the same as this. So we would do well to major mm-hmm. on the good things from each culture. Like people would ask me or someone, um, 
do you like canada or nigeria more so i would say yeah if you're talking about mangoes i like nigeria more <laughs> if you're talking about malaria fever i like canada more <laughs> so i think yeah. it's very exciting to have a a, a marriage that's cross-cultural mm -hmm. it really doesn't have to go bad at all yeah what about those spiritual differences though like in what you know where you're the country you come from and versus canada and how you know i guess ideas of maybe god well you're and all that come yeah, louisa is in a much more expressive culture and you're pretty bland vanilla and and that's me too but but she is very expressive and very um, there's a there's a depth there that is not in Western culture, but I, again I'm wondering too because we we like we have like Lori and I are from two different cultures although we grew up ten miles from each other. Family culture is totally different. There's a lot of differences, and I'm wondering I think there's some cultural things that we have in common, but I'm not sure that any marriage doesn't have a lot of this dissidence built into it you know i was kidding about the second week of marriage but first night i came home normally i finished work and be home for supper at seven and Lori was in a in a wreck because she she had dinner ready for five o'clock well her dad worked to four came home they had dinner at five and but in our my family culture you worked until seven and so that was that was normal for me and she was all broke up like like where were you i didn't know where you were at and i didn't supper's ruined no cell phones no cell phones no no cell but yeah. but we were and we to this day we we laugh at how different we are it, i mean we have jesus that's about it in the middle of what we have in common we're not we're not we're very very different and we've had to learn to go there. so i i'm not sure carrie that that you're not going to find that wherever yeah yeah like i'm wondering if just like the spiritual stuff is it like no different than me with a pentecostal in a sense um uh, i don't know like it's just idea of what spirituality looks like an experience of it is different for in my case me and her yeah. and I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of other cultures, uh, they may not be Pentecostal, but they're basically mostly that. Yeah. In a lot of areas in the spirituality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we probably need to wrap this up. We're we're like ten minutes over our usual time, so um, we need to obviously have you guys back. And I've got a, we've got a few things that uh, I would like to uh, hear maybe a little bit more of what you have learned and kind of what God has, has prepared you for in ministry um, and in, in the counseling realm and kind of where, where you shine, where God has really gifted you. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more in that area. And maybe even do some, maybe if we even had some questions for you about different different uh marriage things that come up and and just be able to kind of pick your brain a little bit and uh, 
But anyway, for thank you for being with us and for sharing your life with us and the people in the church and the community. We I see this podcast picked up in different areas, different places, and uh, it is great to to have you in this body. And uh, so thankful God brought you two together and brought you here. And uh, we look forward to having more time with you. And so, as we say at the end of every uh, podcast, don't end your day without a word with God.